0: Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Mark Shaw. We talked back in July of 2021 about a book he published in June 2021 titled Collateral Damage, The Mysterious Deaths of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgallen and the Ties That Bind Them to Robert Kennedy and the JFK Assassination. And so he reached out to me to do the show, so I was delighted that he reached out It's uh, almost near the anniversary of the assassination of jfk and also his website is mark shaw books and if you go back and listen to our earlier interview you can get a list of all of his books so please go back and listen to that interview but uh mark shaw has some updates and a major announcement about the book so mark shaw welcome to the show
1: hey thank you so much william for having me again
0: great awesome well I'm, i'm delighted you're here so for people who may not have heard that first interview. Can you talk about, you've done a lot of books. Can you talk about kind of your writing career and what led you to write Collateral Damage? And then fill us up, fill us in with what's happened since you published the book.
1: Sure. Well, I I kind of fell into the JFK assassination area by accident. I uh, uh, had written a lot lot of books, uh, biographies on different subjects and things like that. Mike Tyson and Thomas Merton and Joseph Kennedy and other people and everything. But uh, I knew a man named Melvin Belli, who was a lawyer in San Francisco, I actually practiced law with him a little bit in the 1980s. For those people that don't know, well, he was this bigger-than-life uh, character who represented the Rolling Stones and Tammy Faye Baker and, and um, Errol Flynn. And when I wrote that biography of him, I learned about uh, his most famous client, uh, his main client, was Mickey Cohen, who was a Los Angeles gangster. Of some renown um, in the in the 60s, 50s, and 60s, and so um, I, that kind of led me to look at the uh, 1960 election because I wondered about Belli uh, having been uh, chosen to represent Jack Ruby when Ruby was arrested for, of course, shooting Lee Harvey Oswald, and uh, that that representation didn't make sense to me, William, because uh, Belli was a mostly a, a represented celebrities. Uh, he he sued pharmaceutical companies. He was a tort lawyer. He never was known as the king, really king of
0: torts, right? That was his king his, of torts. Exactly. Yeah, life. good
1: memory. And um, you know, uh, he had never really tried criminal cases, especially a capital case. All at once, he's Jack Ruby's lawyer. So I started looking into that and uh, found out the affiliations of Bill I with some of the mafia, including uh, Mickey Cohen. So that got me to thinking, you know, what what really happened there uh, in, in at the Jack Ruby trial? But that led me back then to the 1960 election. And as you know, uh, it was a close contest between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. And uh, Joe Kennedy, the, the Poison Patriarch, I wrote a book called The Poison Patriarch about him. He knew they were going to lose that election unless they won uh, West Virginia and, um, and Illinois. So Joe called in some of his... Uh, chits with uh, those underworld characters that he'd known when he was bootlegging and all of that. He used Frank Sinatra as the go-between, and he recruited uh, basically uh, some of the the main mafia in the country, including Sam Giancana, Santo Traficante, and one in New Orleans named Carlos Marcelo. And so uh, one thing led to another, but they helped him win that election, the 60 election, with the promise that Joe made when they uh, were in the White House, they'd leave those gangsters alone. And right away, unfortunately, there was a double cross because uh, Joe, with that big ego of his, decided that he would force JFK to appoint Bobby Kennedy attorney general. And uh, Bobby Kennedy had never really set foot in a courtroom, but he wanted Bobby to be attorney general. And predictably, uh, because Bobby Kennedy hated those mafioso from his days on the McClellan racketeering committee and everything, he went after them, and specifically Carlos Marcelo. So what I proved in uh, the Poison Patriarch is that's is, is that's what's happened. And then I went and, and I was able to uh, look at the Jack Ruby trial in a more uh, complex way than I had before because I was so so suspect, suspect of what Ruby had done at trial. And as you may remember, he tried to uh, use what they called a psychomotor epilepsy insanity defense. And even saying that, nobody understands what it means. And of course, the jury didn't. And he wouldn't let Ruby testify. And I thought, well, you know, I'm a curious guy like you are, William. I'm going to go back to that trial and see what happened. And I was introduced then to uh, the key to uh, my next three books, including Collateral Damage about the JFK assassination, when I learned about a woman, remarkable woman, uh, named Dorothy Kilgallen. And for those that don't remember her, uh, well, for those who do remember her, it may be because she was a central character, the big star on the CBS program, What's My Line? It was a quiz show uh, aired on CBS for almost 15 years on Sunday nights, live from New York. And uh, she was on a panel there. They guessed people's unusual occupations. And yet when I was working on the Bell-Eye book, I had learned from a friend of Bell-Eye's who said to me, hey, you know, Bell-Eye knew Dorothy Kilgallen. And I said, well, wait a minute, from What's My Line? He said, Mark, you don't know anything about her. She was a famous journalist for the New York uh, Journal American uh, syndicated to 200 newspapers across the country. She covered the, the Dr. Sam Shepard uh, case that became the fugitive, the Charles Lernberg case. Uh, she was called the most powerful female voice in America uh, by the New York Post, and Mark, she covered the Jack Ruby trial. So Learning about Dorothy then led to my bestseller, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, because what I learned was she was at that trial. She was the only one to interview Ruby, and she had figured out by the end of that trial that there was no uh, Oswald alone theory uh, that made any sense, that it was a plot to kill the president, and she focused in on Carlos Marcello as the one who would have had the strongest motive to have killed uh, JFK. And how did I figure that out? Well, I just used common sense because um, when Bobby Kennedy became Attorney General, he immediately deported, illegally deported Marcelo uh, to Central America. Now, Marcelo got back in the country, and when he did, then RFK uh, charged him with racketeering. So, as the fall of 1963 came along, uh, here was Marcelo who was either going to prison or going to be distor- uh, de- deported. And that just, he couldn't let that happen. In fact, we'll talk about a new FBI file that I found about Marcelo who had an empire that was probably worth at least $30 million in 1963, and that was a, a much more money than it would be, you know, you would think about. So he couldn't really lose that empire. So what did he decide to do? Well, he hated Bobby, but if he killed Bobby Kennedy, then what would happen? JFK would come after him with everything the government had. So he was a smart guy. Marcello, he decides he'll orchestrate the death of JFK so Bobby will be powerless. And that's exactly what happened. And I was able to confirm that with Bill Alexander, who was the main prosecutor of Jack Ruby, who told me, hey, I was shocked that JFK got killed. I thought it would be Bobby Kennedy because he had more enemies obviously than JFK did. So armed with all that, I wrote the reporter who knew too much. I kind of laid out exactly what had happened like a prosecutor would do. And then I got very curious as to why Dorothy Kilgallen mysteriously died in, in 1965. And uh, what I found out was that she was found in her uh, townhouse in New York City, uh, in a bed she never slept in, wearing her hairpiece, uh, her makeup, and, uh, and uh, um, you know, makeup and all of that, when, when that's not what she would have worn to bed. They came and found her dead and said it was immediately an overdose of barbiturates. Now I've proven uh, since then, and in, in fact recently, with an interview of Dr. Michael Bodden, the famous forensic scientist, whose name I surprised him uh, with on a radio program in New York, was on the autopsy. And I quizzed him and I said, well, how did you know that it was an overdose of barbiturates? circumstances undetermined? And he said, well, uh, we should have never given the information to the media because, Mark, we didn't know how she died. The circumstances were undetermined, but the effect of that was to ruin uh, Dorothy's uh, reputation. There was no investigation whatsoever. And so I started to, in the, uh, in, in the book, uh, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, look at that mysteriously mysterious death. I looked at the autopsy. She did not die of one barbiturate, but a combination of three. And I was able then, with some new evidence, to find out that the man that she had shared her JFK assassination information evidence with uh, was a man named Ron Pataki and able to prove that uh, he basically set up Kilgallen for the kill because he got in trouble with the mafia over some gambling debts or something else. And I had an eyewitness source who told me all this. And so in order to get himself in in trouble, uh, he let them know that Dorothy Kilgallen was writing this book for Random House and that she was going to expose Marcello for orchestrating JFK's death. Well, Marcello couldn't let that happen. So I looked at him uh, as being the main suspect in uh, Dorothy's death, as well as uh, uh, JF, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, because Dorothy was going to also expose the fact that he covered up the death. Followed that up with a book called Den- Denial of Justice, because I had attempted to get an investigation of Dorothy's death. That still hasn't happened, but I'm after it. But also, <coughs> excuse me, I was able to expose the Jack Ruby trial transcripts in that book which clearly showed that there was a plot to kill the president because it showed that Jack Ruby uh, had planned to be at the transfer of Ruby from the Dallas police headquarters at a particular time. Uh, he admitted uh, on, the, on the stand, uh, admitted uh, the, the uh, members of the, the, those people who were on the jury, uh, heard the evidence that he had uh, gotten into the basement with the help of the police department. He'd acted like a reporter and all of that. And so denial of justice then went ahead and, and really hooked on to what i'd written in the uh, the best selling uh, reporter who knew too much uh, uh, the poison patriarch and and uh, jack ruby's uh, or uh, melvin Belli's biography so how did that stretch then into collateral damage and uh, i think your 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 viewers will be most interested in that definitely uh, william we talked about it. we talked about it the last time because i j- basically did it by accident Um, I I wasn't going to write any more books about the uh, JFK assassination. Enough, Mark. Move on to something else. But then what happened is that I started to uh, think about uh, a question that was being asked to me by uh, people who had uh, either bought uh, those books or had looked at the, uh, I think there's almost three and a half million now YouTube views of my presentations on my books. And so those people asked one question. Is there a connection between Marilyn Monroe's death and Dorothy Kilgallen's? And the first thing that I thought about, and I think you would have as a curious person, is that these three individuals, Dorothy, Marilyn, and JFK, died within 40 months of each other in the early uh, early 1960s. Marilyn in 1962, uh, JFK 63, and uh, Dorothy Kilgallen in 65. So I thought, no, I don't think there is a connection until I was able to find a photograph of Marilyn and Dorothy on the set of a movie in 1960. It was called uh, Let's Make Love with Ives Montan, the French actor, and they were looking chummy. And then I found uh, as I always do, and I think you have done with your books, there's one thing that happens that really keys your going forward with an investigation as an investigative reporter. And that was a column. Uh, by Dorothy Kilgallen because, as you remember, the official verdict uh, by the uh, L.A. medical examiner was that that Marilyn Monroe had committed probable suicide, they called it, and I thought, well, I'm going to look into that, and so I found this column by Kilgallen that, that really talked about what good spirits that Marilyn was in. She was on the upswing. She was feeling good about herself. She had movie and TV offers. Um, She had basically found, and this was the real key, uh, a love interest with a name bigger than Joe DiMaggio, who you may remember was the famous baseball player for the New York Yankees. And so I thought to myself, this does not sound like a woman who is going to uh, go ahead and commit suicide. I also knew that she had just um, uh, recently moved into a home, the first home she ever uh, uh, owned. Uh, she had just gotten a dog and, and she loved animals and all of that. So she was kind of on top of the world. She'd had some Broadway offers and so on and so forth, Las Vegas offers and all of that. And so I really was suspect uh, of her committing suicide. And so what did I do? The same thing that I had done with JFK's death when I proved there was a plot to kill him. I looked at his autopsy, which was very faulty in terms of how it happened, uh, what they uh, decided, and then I looked at Marilyn and I looked at Dorothy's and there that was a fudged autopsy. In fact, if you really want to cover up a murder, the first place to start is with an autopsy. And when I looked at Marilyn's at 10 o'clock in the morning after she died on August 4th, 1962, I just got a chill saying that because she should have never died. She and Dorothy should have never died, either one of them. I get very passionate about it. But on August, on, uh, on August 4th, 1962, I looked at the uh, certificate of death that they issued in the morning at 10 o'clock, it said uh, overdose of drugs. Then I looked at the autopsy in the afternoon, just a few more hours later, the autopsy report, uh, probable suicide. Well, that really made me wonder what in the world was going on there, because those two things don't, you know, they're contrary to each other. So I went back to that um, article that Dorothy had written. And I thought, wait a minute, if Marilyn Monroe was killed, if she was was murdered, who would have been the main suspect? Who was the bigger name than, than uh, Joe DiMaggio that she was having a relationship wa- with? And I landed, as I think you would have, William, on John F. Kennedy. Because as most people know, in 1962, she had a relationship, a sexual affair with JFK. It followed the time when she flew to New York and sang happy birthday to his 45th birthday at Madison Square Garden, and they had a love affair. But what I found out with collateral damage, and we can stop here if you'd like, and, and, uh, and then I'll give you, you know, my ideas as to what happened to her, I landed on Bobby Kennedy. Because other than uh, JFK, um, the biggest uh, love affair she had in 1962, as I proved through a, a CIA document and a a, a little known book that was written at the time, a torrid love affair with Marilyn Monroe. And so i would landed on Bobby Kennedy and and my instincts, my curiosity took over and I started to investigate Bobby and Marilyn.
0: And you said that her room was bugged, right? So she, somebody was monitoring her at that time in Los Angeles. I think she lived in Brentwood, a really nice part of town, like not not a place to uh, be too depressed about living at.
1: Well, you know, I, I admit it. I'm not the greatest, uh, smartest uh, investigative reporter who's ever been around. All this information was out there on both, on the deaths of all three of these individuals in the book. You know, basically in collateral damage, you know, I've reconciled three mysterious deaths, which sure, shouldn't have been mysteries at all if everybody would have, been paid, have paid attention. But in this situation, I had found a CIA document uh, that was very lethal in terms of what it uh, talked about. Uh, it was issued actually a day before Marilyn uh, died. And uh, I'm very upset about that when I when I saw that because they knew that Marilyn in da- was in danger. And why was that? Because it talks about in the first paragraph, the fact that there are wiretapped uh, phone conversation between Dorothy Kilgallen and a friend of hers named, um, uh, I can't think of his name anyway, one of her very best friends uh that so obviously Marilyn or uh, dorothy's uh, phone had been tapped but it says in that paragraph also that there are conversations that were wiretapped between bobby kennedy and marilyn monroe and i didn't make as much out of that as i should have william and i'll tell you why in just a few minutes but the rest of the document talked first in the paragraph and this came from the um the conversation between dorothy and the man's name was rothberg so, I call it the Rothberg Report in collateral damage. It had never been exposed before. It talked about a, a real connection uh, between JFK, Marilyn, and Dorothy, with all, with, of all things, their uh, passion for UFO information. Now, I knew that about Dorothy because she had gone to a UFO convention in uh, 1954, I believe it was. Um, in London, and was very interested in UFOs. She wrote an article about it when she came back that I have in the book, and and really was believing in her mind that there were those little green men out there or whatever. But it also connected that with Marilyn, who was interested in UFOs, and JFK especially, because it talked about the fact that he had issued documents uh, to the CIA, requesting, letters to the CIA, requesting information about Roswell and the And the um, the uh, uh, sighting of UFOs and all that other kind of thing. And I was subsequently able to find uh, two documents that were one of them had JFK's signature on it uh, that basically was asking for all that information. And then so I connected those three in that document. And it was very interesting to me because nobody had ever really connected the life and times and the deaths of Marilyn Monroe, Dorothy Kilgallen and Marilyn Monroe. But then it was really this lethal information in the next three sentences, William, that showed me that Dorothy, uh, Marilyn Monroe was really in danger. It talked about the fact that through these um, uh, these uh, wiretap conversations and apparently I I didn't make as big a deal out of it as I should have, as I'll tell you in a minute, uh, because I, I needed a confirmation for the fact that her telephone was wiretapped. But basically it said that number one, she was going to talk about her love affairs uh, to the media uh, with both Robert Kennedy and JFK. Uh, She was going to uh, talk about, if you can imagine, matters of national security that the Kennedys apparently, especially during their love affairs with her had mentioned, including uh, JFK planning uh, the assassination, the killing of Fidel Castro, and even worse than that, that, um, you know, there were these kinds of events that were going on where he was leaking this, this information uh, that shouldn't have been leaked uh, to, to the wrong people and that kind of thing. So uh, that really was, was damaging to me because if, if Marilyn was going to go to the media with information about the love affairs, that would have been bad enough because it would have really caused problems with the Kennedy's reputations. But if she went to the media about these matters of national security being leaked to her through pillow talk or the Kennedys trying to impress her or whatever, that would have destroyed both of those careers. And I'll I'll talk about in a little while the the conclusion that we talk about with collateral damage. But like you, uh, William, I always want to confirm anything I can with regard to my research. And so I was very fortunate to be able to find um, kind of an innocuous account of the fact that Marilyn's home in Brentwood had been, uh, had been bugged. And it came from, an, of all people, uh, uh, Veronica Hamill, the actress, and many people may remember her from Hill Street Blues. But I found uh, a document where uh, she and her husband had bought uh, Marilyn's Brentwood home in 1962. Now that would have been nine years after Marilyn died. But the uh, the account by Veronica was that they hired a contractor to replace the roof and remodel the house and the contractor discovered a sophisticated eavesdropping and telephone tapping system that covered every room in the home. So uh, I'm I'm still attempting to to talk to Veronica, Uh, I've reached out to her representatives and all of that, but basically uh, that was the confirmation there. And so not only did the the, uh, Rothberg report uh, confirm the, the torrid love affair uh, between uh, Bobby and Marilyn. I proved he was in Los Angeles on the day she died. Marilyn died, and all of that overcoming a, uh, an, a, a, an alibi that he had, but but also the fact that uh, uh, this torrid love affair. He had actually promised Marilyn, if you can imagine this, William, that he was going to divorce Ethel wow. and marry Marilyn. Wow! And so he was, he was in deep.
0: deep. He was in deep
1: trouble. He really was. And I put this in the book because I wanted people to know about this. I really tried to humanize also in the book, JFK, Marilyn, and Dorothy. And I do that at the end of the book because I wanted the reader to know what they lost when they died at an early age. For God's sakes, you know, uh, Marilyn died at the age of 36, uh, JFK at 46, and, and and Dorothy at 52. They had so much of their lives to live. And then what we lost by them dying as well.
0: And so we lost I, a lot. When JFK got murdered, the whole politics oh, changed. Yeah. Vietnam, it was a disaster. People have said we lost our innocence then, and I think that's probably
1: true. So through all that, I had been able to connect the three for the first time, and, and uh, it, it was most interesting to me because uh, through the autopsies and all of that, I'd proven that these three people were silenced. Uh, Marilyn basically was the, the actress who knew too much. Dorothy, the, the, uh, the, the reporter who knew too much. So all of wasn't that. Wasn't
0: there? Sorry to interrupt, uh, but wasn't there like a famous meeting at the Cal Neva with Sinatra, where she said that I'm going to tell everything, and that that was right before she died, like two or three days before she died, right?
1: Excellent point, and thank you for, for reminding me of that. That's a real interesting um, uh, supposition. I, I wish it was more confirmed than it is, but basically there was a couple of eyewitnesses who were there in. It, this was called the Cal Neva Lodge. Uh, for those people that don't know, it was on the border of California and Nevada, right up near Lake Tahoe, and Joe Kennedy hung out there. The Kennedys hung out there. Frank Sinatra did. Uh, a lot of different mafia did. It was partly owned by Sinatra, as a matter of fact. Well, on the weekend before Marilyn died, and I believe I've proven this in the collateral damage book, that uh, Marilyn was there. Sinatra was there. I have a photograph of she. If I'm saying this right, if probably the English isn't right, she and and uh, and uh, Sinatra uh, there. I have a photograph of her with uh, with Peter Lawford. Uh, supposedly, there were other people there and all of that. But apparently, Marilyn got the idea that they were going to pass her around as what she called a piece of meat. And and she wasn't going to put up with that anymore. She'd had it. And so she announced there that I'm going to the media uh, with all of this about you, Kennedy and you Kennedy's and using me and all of that and promise me promising this. And I, I, that visual I mentioned about in the book is Marilyn sitting at the telephone in that Brentwood home that she loved just a few days before she dies. And she's, she's calling, and, and this has been confirmed, JFK, and he won't take her calls. She's calling Robert Kennedy, who's promised to marry her, and he won't take her calls. And you can just imagine here her, and again, I get a, you know, these are human beings. And I get this, uh, this, this uh, you know, chill again because I can see her sitting there crying. These powerful men who have used her for sex and promised her things and everything, um, you know, are now just dumping her. And so, basically, what I concluded in it collateral damage. And I'm always interested in what uh, viewers, uh, you know, come back with and, and, and t- t- tell me whether they think I'm right. But if you think about this on a broader scope, if if Dor- if Mer- excuse me, if uh, Robert Kennedy would have been prosecuted. For his complicity in Marilyn's death based on strong motive, and I now have an eyewitness who has given me, along with my accounts in the book, as to exactly how Marilyn was d- died, and we can get into that. Uh, if he would have been prosecuted in 1962, what would have happened? Well, enemies, including Marcello, would not have had to have killed JFK to render Bobby powerless because he would have been powerless as since he would been, no longer have been attorney general. And, if you, and, and there would have been no JFK assassination. And if you take that a step further, then Dorothy Kilgallen would not have died in 1965, would not have been murdered because she would have had no JFK assassination, investigate, assassination to investigate. So the collateral damage basically of Joe Kennedy ordering uh, JFK to appoint Bobby Kennedy, then him, go, then him going after Marcelo, and then getting involved with Marilyn Monroe. The collateral damage is the deaths of Marilyn Monroe, Dorothy Kilgallen, and John F. Kennedy. It's
0: really an it's incredible, an incredible story, story in that, story in that, that it's, it's been, been kind it's of covered, covered, up, covered up, up for this up many, years years many years of all those involvements. involvements. And uh, mm-hmm. it's really just a remarkable... And that whole era, that I think Gameplay quoted this on like uh, StreamYard, is that there just were so many deaths, cultural deaths, and so many figures mm-hmm. in that whole thing. And you talk about also kind of bringing all this up current. I don't know if you still want to stay on the collateral damage, but you talk about how Bobby RFK Jr. is to this whole case of RFK getting killed at the Ambassador Hotel. His son is asking for the release of or the parole of Sirhan Sirhan, right?
1: Yeah, it's a follow-up to what's in uh, collateral damage because uh, I, I look at motive as a former criminal defense lawyer and investigative reporter and, you know, legal analyst for, the Tyson and the OJ and the Kobe cases and all of that, I look for motive. And, uh, you know, in this kind of situation, the motive of Sirhan Sirhan has always bothered me. Um, I could never quite figure it out. Uh, and so uh, it was interesting because recently I had already found an FBI file on Marcello that showed how wealthy he was in 1965. Now, again, 65 is when Dorothy died. And the motive there, of course, he couldn't let Dorothy Kilgallen exposed him for the death of JFK because, uh, you know, in a book, she was writing for Random House because if she did, then that empire would collapse. So there's his motive. In the new uh, FBI file about Marcello, it talks about how wealthy he was going into 1968. He was a smart businessman. I mean, one of the worst human beings that ever lived. But with all the killings that he ordered and all the things he did, including JFK, but he also was a very smart businessman. And for instance, I found in this new file, they said that basically at that point, his, his empire may have been worth 70 to $80 million. And that's in 1968, uh, uh dollars, you know, right. so it's close worth- to a billion dollars
0: today or something.
1: Absolutely. And he, for instance, he, he bought land. He had a, a big estate called, uh, Churchill downs, uh, uh, near where he lived. And, uh, he bought uh, real estate close to that because he knew that a uh, interstate was going through there. So I've always tried to connect um, Carlos Marcelo to Sirhan Sirhan. And thus far, I've been completely unsuccessful. I did find out that Sirhan at one point worked as a, uh, as a walking horses at Hollywood Racetrack. And Marcelo had an interest in that. But that wasn't enough uh, of, of a connection for me. And so I'm continuing to try to Uh, connect him uh, to uh, the death of Bobby Kennedy because that motive is so strong. And now I know that uh, he couldn't possibly have let RFK become president. Why? Because RFK, as I've proven, uh, told many people that he knew that was Marcello that killed JFK. So predictably, if Bobby Kennedy becomes President William, then what's he going to do? He's going to come back after Marcello. And Marcelo could not let that happen,
0: right? So this has to go. And I mean, so there's. I mean, clearly, Sirhan Sirhan's a patsy, and what he did. I mean, there's no real motive for him to have shot Kennedy in any way, shape, or form that anybody can really figure out. I think that, yeah. So there's really sketchy elements there. So Bobby Kennedy Jr. is, and I think there was another Kennedy family member who said that Sirhan Sirhan should be paroled. So it wasn't just. Yeah, I have a real problem
1: with uh, with uh, this. Uh, I'm a big believer in jury verdicts. I was when I was a criminal defense lawyer with murder cases. That's basically what I did. They don't always get it right, but juries most of the time do. And they heard all of the evidence. They heard about the confession by Sirhan Sirhan and all of that. And yes, I'm dubious of what happened, but that's what they heard, and they decided he was guilty, with the sentence death. All right. So now comes along Robert F Kennedy Jr. and he. Goes to see Sirhan Sirhan, and based on what he's told and all this other kind of thing, uh, he gets in the middle of all this uh, uh, parole situation. Uh, yes, there was one Kennedy, uh, I think it was a nephew or something, yeah. who uh, yeah. supported him, but more, uh, many of the Kennedy family is just enraged that he did this. So there's uh, there's you know two parts to that situation and everything. What concerns me more here is that I have asked the Los Angeles District Attorney George Gaston to investigate uh, Marilyn's death. There was no investigation at the time. They covered it up and all of that. And so I've written him three letters. One of them's up on my website, MarkShawBooks.com because I found out that when he, and one of the reasons I was amazed that he wasn't looking into Marilyn's death because I sent him a 375 page evidence report. I sent him a copy of Collateral Damage you know, please investigate her death, reinvestigate her death. I didn't hear from him. And then I learned out why. Because when he he had to make comments about the Sirhan Sirhan case, and if you read them, uh, this is not anybody who can independently look at Maryland's death, because what did he say? I idolized the Kennedys. I, I really uh, was inspired by Bobby Kennedy, who I thought would make a great president. Well, for God's sakes, then, he's not going to look into a case where Bobby Kennedy is the main suspect. So another cover-up has happened, and I'm gonna continue to go forward and and attempt to get justice for both Dorothy and for Marilyn. And you mentioned at the top of the show, and if you don't mind my mentioning it as well, one of the ways that this is going to happen is because I've been so blessed, not only with my body of work being uh, um, archived at my alma mater, Purdue University, but also because Mark Wahlberg, uh, the actor-producer, Academy Award actor-producers research, uh, in, in, uh, production company uh, in Los Angeles, Unrealistic Ideas, has optioned the media rights uh, to collateral damage uh, so that they can go ahead. There's the headline in this, uh, this uh, Hollywood uh, uh, publish, uh, publishing, uh, um, it's a big deal out there, a deadline about uh, the unrealistic option of, uh, of my book and uh, they're going to turn it into a documentary film, and and I think a part of that, obviously, as it even says in the article, will look into my research and and look into the the, the the great possibility that through this research and a documentary, uh, we can get a reinvestigation of Marilyn's death. So I'm not going to give on up on that, just as I'm not going to give up on trying to get justice for Dorothy Kilgallen. That's
0: congratulations. This is a huge honor. I mean, it's really uh, incredible, because this is one of those things where I probably will be produced, unlike other uh, mm-hmm. projects that kind of sometimes flounder or don't make it. I, I would expect to see this in the near future. So awesome. Well, That's was a very, great achievement.
1: I was, I was very impressed with the people that I worked with there. Mark Wahlberg is a man of integrity, and these people are as well. And uh, so I got them to agree, and there's no absolute guarantee that they would follow what I wrote in the book. And that, uh, that meant a lot to me because I didn't want you know it's amazing to me do you realize there is going to be a film uh, released next year uh called blonde based on the book where the author basically admits that it's not based on any accuracy they're not worried about accuracy the film is going to be the same thing they're going to you know fictionalize basically Marilyn's story and that and it's just you know it's just it's such disrespect that somebody like her just as it would be if there was a movie made about Dorothy. And I'm continuing to try to work on that. So I'm inflamed by those kinds of things. I hope that for some reason that uh, that movie never makes it to the screen.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've seen so many films come out of Hollywood that don't have the integrity to the source material that uh, it's a disappointment when that happens. And what regarding Marilyn's death, what new evidence have you uncovered about exactly how she died and by whom on August 4th? 1962 First of all,
1: i see one of your one of your viewers has said good luck on the documentary and had some other nice comments and i really appreciate that thanks so much uh, another uh, nice compliment thank you um well here here's here's the situation um in the book collateral damage i and i don't want to give it away because i want people to read it and then make up their own mind that's what i like to do make people stop and think about what i put in my books but i give what i believe is a praus- plausible way as to how maryland Uh, was silenced on the uh, evening of August 4th and the morning of August 5th of 1962. Uh, Bobby Kennedy would not have uh, been involved deliberately or or with himself uh, on that death. So he would probably, in my opinion, uh, logically have used operatives. And so uh, what I say in the book, based on three clues uh, that I came up uh, having to do one in her autopsy where she had a bruise on her uh, on her hip a fresh bruise on her hip uh, second that when the police came uh, the uh, housekeeper uh, was uh, washing uh, laundry uh, at the washing machine in the middle of the night which didn't make a lot of sense and the third is the uh, third and uh, third is uh, there was no glass found where she could have taken these pills and and the amount of pills that she put, supposedly took almost 50 she would have died much sooner uh, than than they uh, estimated that she died so uh, in the book uh, I try to show exactly how these operatives came to her home and one way or another, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, giving my opinion in the book, they were able to ingest those uh, barbiturates into her, uh, into her blood system, into her, uh, into her body, uh, not by her, uh, by, by her uh, ingesting them through water, but another way. And I don't want to get into that, uh, as I say, so that people can make up their own mind. But obviously uh, the clues there may give you an idea as to exactly how Marilyn was murdered. So that was my uh, conclusion in the book. Well, I came to find a a couple more uh, very, very interesting uh, confirmations for how Marilyn died. One of them came from June DiMaggio, uh, Joe DiMaggio's mother. There's a book that I found that has never really gotten much attention and that happens a great deal, it seems like to me, to find those, but it talks about the June DiMaggio and Marilyn, even when Joe and Marilyn divorced, became and and was still very good friends with Marilyn. And she says in the book, and it seems to make sense, that uh, on the night that Marilyn died, she was on the telephone with Marilyn. And they were talking about her plans and how things were going and Joe. And in fact, the, the potential that Joe and Marilyn were going to be married again, and it would have actually been... Uh, on the same day that Marilyn uh, was Marilyn's funeral, which is really disturbing to me because that obviously never happened. But she was talking to Marilyn and then she heard a scream and then she heard some uh, noise in the background and then she thought she heard something about Kennedy and all of that and uh, finally then the phone, and and remember uh, a phone uh, that had not been hung up was found in Marilyn's hand Hands when she died, uh, and, and basically, then, uh, you know, um, uh, June uh, DiMaggio hung up. So that was an account that I felt was credible. Uh, sure, she had uh, some, um, you know, connection to Marilyn through uh, Joe and all of that, but that was the one that really uh, made me think all right, what I uh, surmised in the book makes sense. And then I found a woman in Boston. near Boston who had gotten in touch with me by looking at one of the documentaries. There's almost 700,000 views up on YouTube of my presentations and interviews on uh, collateral damage and people can go take a look at those. But she had watched one of them and she called me and she said, Mark, I have some explosive news for you. Uh, My father uh, was uh, associated with the underworld in Massachusetts. Uh, He and his uh, son had, opened a ski resort not too far from Boston. I'm not sure exactly where it was. But he was friends with a lot of the so-called mafioso in the area. And one night when I was uh, you know, about 15 years old, I believe it was, or 16 or something, he brought a couple of those guys home. And they started drinking and everything else like that. My dad finally got tired and went to bed. But these two men started talking. And somehow or another, Marilyn Monroe's death came up. And the two of them obviously inebriated a bit, but she said they made sense, said, well, here's what happened. Uh, You know, we didn't do it. You know, we weren't responsible, but two of our buddies out in uh, Los Angeles were uh, contacted by Robert Kennedy. And when he went to Marilyn's home with Peter Lawford, and I've proven, by the way, that Marilyn was at Peter Lawford's uh, um, beachfront home in Santa Monica. I have a photograph that I can show you that uh, she was there in, in uh, summer of 1962, uh, that what Bobby did is, one way or the other, he left one of the, uh, the windows open. And when those operatives then came to the um, home of Marilyn, they used the open window to get in, and then they went on and, uh, you know, in, 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 as I say then, uh, you know, poisoned her with the barbiturates and all of that. So I, I've got two, I think, realistic, uh, confirmations of my conclusions in the book. People can make up their own mind. I've sent all that to uh, to uh, the LADA, but so far he hasn't uh, responded to me, but I'm going to keep after him. But I think those are logical ways of how uh, Marilyn could have uh, very well died, uh, unfortunately, a, a tragic death uh, in
0: 1962. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no it's really remarkable. Really and the, 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 interesting the interesting thing is you're... Um, You, the past is still present because you mentioned something about Biden's uh, approach to the JFK files. Can you talk about that before we close it up? Well, I'll
1: tell you what, it's just mind boggling. Um, You know, in in previous presidents from uh, the most recent one to Obama, back to, uh, you know, back and back, all right. The, there was there is a law that said they had to have uh, what was it uh, by uh, whenever it was uh, what year it was. Anyway, uh, they had to release all of the JFK documents that hadn't been released. I thought I think it was last uh, year or something uh, that they had to. Well, anyway, all those presidents basically didn't release them, and and they used the excuse that it was uh, there were problems with uh, matters of national security. Now, that seemed to me a lame excuse, but then Biden went ahead, uh, and you had to read what, what the uh, reason was. First of all, he said that the National Archives hadn't had time because of the pandemic to copy <laughs> all of the documents. Come on. For that God's probably sake. means they have more time to do that, actually. I would think so. But worse than that, here's the reason, William, that he gave for not releasing the documents. Now, do we go, go through these slowly protect against identical harm to the military defense. What? Intelligence operations, what? Law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations. What in the hell can that have to do with documents about the JFK assassination? What, next Monday, I believe, it'll be 58 years. Identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligent operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations. It's That's the
0: kitchen sink. Blank. They just said it was everything, right? It could be anything. Oh. It. So incredible. come on, you
1: know, these, do- and, and I, I even saw, and again, you know, I, I don't want to applaud too many members of the, of the Kennedy family because I'm not a fan of theirs, but they're enraged. Bobby Kennedy Jr. came out and said, and they don't know what's in there. Come out, come on, release these so we, we can figure out exactly what happened. Here's here's what I think. It's all gonna be Oswald alone stuff again, just like the Warren Commission and their stupid uh, conclusion that they had that was made, you know, was just the cover up by J. Edgar Hoover. It's all gonna be that kind of cover up information about uh, the Oswald alone file. And somehow or another, uh, you know, it's, it's not gonna be anything that's gonna shed light on what really happened in 1963.
0: And it's still an important question to this day. I mean, we, the, the public deserves to know all the facts, the real facts, not the Warren Commission facts. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to add or anything I missed before we wrap it up? And just before we do wrap it up, I just want to say again, congratulations on this documentary well, uh, transaction. It's really great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just about the
1: most blessed man on the face of the earth. And I'll tell you, this is a real blessing, a real honor as well. Uh, Just this, uh, because uh, many people, you know, today say, why is the JFK assassination important? Why why do we care about whether Dorothy Kilgallen was uh, overdosed on drugs or murdered or Marilyn Monroe committed probable suicide or, or not? Why do we care? Well, it's relevant because it's history and there's so many distortions of history out there. The Sixth Floor Museum at Daly Plaza. It's a shrine to Lee Harvey Oswald. They won't permit anything to the contrary. There's a lot of books out there, unfortunately, that distort history about what happened uh, with all of this. And so, I, you know, I have on my on my and, and justice being denied to these two women, especially. I have on my wall uh, by my writing table here a quote that I that I, it's kind of been my credo. The death cannot cry out for justice. It is the duty of the living to do so for them. So everybody needs to care here. And what happened back then that we can learn from is that no questions were asked. Everybody accepted the Oswald alone theory. When Dorothy died, they accepted that, hey, this is another celebrity who overdosed on drugs. We're and with crazy. Marilyn, well, you know, uh, this is the sex pot, and she did all this and that. And, and so, yeah, it's predictable because she had all these mental problems uh, and, and she didn't, by the way. Uh, She was on the upswing, but this is just, yeah, she probably committed suicide. So they didn't go ahead and ask questions. And and there has never been a more important time in our history to ask questions about everything. I really tell people to do that with everything, politics, business, whatever it is, ask questions because you can't accept anymore at face value what's being told to us, whether it's television, radio, whatever
0: it is, you got to ask questions. Really important and a great book. And thanks for returning, Mark. And uh, again, your website is MarkShawBooks.com. If people want to reach out to you, can they do it through your website?
1: Yes, but uh, I answer every single email. that comes my way and it's an easy email. It can be found on the website, but it's mshawin at yahoo.com. M-S-H-A-W-I-N at yahoo. And I would encourage your viewers to get in touch with me because many times uh, those that, that, that watch or listen, Uh, give me tips that I follow up and they've made a lot of difference in my investigations.
0: Mine too. I've had really excellent emails. Most of the emails I get are superb and people just put another little piece of the puzzle for me. Again, it's M-S-H-A-W-I-N at Yahoo.com. Absolutely. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. Again, the book we just talked about is Collateral Damage, The Mysterious Deaths of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgallen, and the ties that bind them to Robert Kennedy and the JFK assassination published June 1st, 2021, and look for the documentary, hopefully uh, in the near future. So, Mark Shaw, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much, William. You're a good man. Thank All you. Right,
0: likewise. Stay there. Stay there. All right, cool. So. That-